0: Okay, so I had a feeling that this would be a shorter message this morning, so it is going to be a shorter message, you may be thankful to hear. We are right in the the middle of a series on the kingdom of God. And if you have joined us recently, um, uh, you may not be aware we've been in this for a while. And we've been faithfully working our way through the Old Testament and looking at the kingdom of God, the pictures of the kingdom of God, the promises of the kingdom of God coming. And I just want you to do something symbolic with me for a moment. So if you have a hard copy of a Bible, or if you don't, but there's one in front of you in a seat back, just pick it up and go to Malachi 4, chapter 6. We're going to do something symbolic here. Some of you might know what I'm going to do here. Uh, And I want you to flip it over, find Malachi 4.6, if you're unfamiliar, that is right at the end of the Old Testament. And then take your Bible in your hand, something like this, there you go Ruth, well done. I can't do this because I've got the mic, but take your, and then just flick over the page, just flick over. We're in the New Testament, guys. Jesus and the kingdom of God. In one moment, we went from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Just be thankful today. If you've been thinking that this series has taken a little while to get here, that the people of Israel had to wait 400 years for that moment that we just did in about 10 seconds. So uh, we, are, we are, in the next two weeks, Brock and I are going to be looking at Jesus and the kingdom of God. And so... Today, our passage is going to be in Matthew 9, right at the end of Matthew 9, verse 35. And we're going to jump into uh, verse 11 11 in chapter 10. So that's where we'll be for most of um, the message this morning. I do want to... uh, Haskell, we're going to ditch that video, by the way, just FYI, um, as a way of saving some time here. And we're going to look at this passage in a moment. But I do want to reiterate... God is doing something different with us. And I think many of us are beginning to get a sense of this. You know, just this week, as I've been preparing, I've been thinking about this morning, I just, my, it's like something in me is stirring. And I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged because other people seem to be getting hold of it too. You know, the, the stories from people like Ashley over who's, I mean, by the way, she's, she's in Kona, Hawaii, which, you know, is exotic, but it's still the USA. God is doing things in the USA. It's not just around the world. God is doing things amongst us. You know, there is a, and you know, when God is on the move, it's important that we not only recognize that, but it's also important that we get ready to think about what does moving with God look like? I think it's important that uh, we get a sense of that when God is changing some of our experiences of what he's doing, when we begin to see him doing new things, when we see an acceleration of his activity perhaps or we start to see breakthroughs that maybe we've not seen for a while or never perhaps in our lifetime there's, there's often an expectation that he has for us about us shifting with him. You know there is a that sometimes that does involve a, a geographical move for some of us. Perhaps there is a shifting into a new place, but perhaps more often and usually always there is a shifting that happens in us. And also, uh, sometimes that begins in our minds. Romans 12:1-2, 1, 1 and 2 talks about how uh, we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Paul says, here, he says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. When our reality starts to change, we often have to change our thinking too. I remember a shift happening for me in 2007. Uh, we, I was at a church in England at the time and we were beginning to see um, some breakthroughs in praying for people, particularly people outside of the church for healing and God breaking in in moments where they were uh, literally, uh, get, pain was leaving bodies and people were getting better in the moment of prayer right there and then. And I, I remember being really excited about this and at the same time thinking, there is no way that I, I can see or imagine how this is going to work for me to pray for somebody and God would actually heal somebody through my prayer. And I, some of you have heard me talk before and you might think that sounds odd because I kind of talk about this stuff a bit. Maybe too much, maybe not. But my point is this. There was a time when I really did not believe it. I, did not, I could not imagine that God would do that through me. But then God started to do it in our church congregation and he started to do it through people who I was like, no way, there's no way that guy can pray and see a person he's never met before healed. He's a complete mess. I spend my time discipling him. I know. You can see the, uh, the stuff that was going on in my heart was being revealed before me. But the, my point was this, is that suddenly I was being provoked. I suddenly started to think, wait, now if he can do it, then maybe I need to change. Maybe something in me needs to change. Two weeks ago, I got a text message from Marsha Knoll. Marsha, are you here today? Just wave at me if you're here. I don't know if she's, she's not, Mark. Okay. Well, she, uh, she asked me to pray with her after a Sunday service, um, shortly after the, um, the time when Connie stitched me up and asked me to pray for a bunch of people after I talked about healing the last time I preached. So uh, I'm being made to follow through on my actions now if I start talking about this. So I got to pray with Marsha. And uh, she has had some damage to her foot that she's been walking in a cast and there's several breaks that have happened in her foot. Long story short, she came to me that morning two weeks ago and she said, uh, basically the doctor has told me that the bone is not regrowing as it should and they may have to do a uh, bone grafting surgery in order to repair the foot which I don't know about medical stuff, but that doesn't sound very pleasant. And she wasn't very excited about the idea of needing that. Anyway, we, we took a minute, we prayed together. Um, I laid hands on her and just asked God to do what he does. And uh, she sent me this text message just the other day. And she said to me in the message, she said, um, I've got some great news I wanted to share with you. Uh, there's bone growth happening now in two of the main breaks in my foot showing up on the x-rays. So there's no bone grafting surgery that's needed. And uh, I was just like, so yeah let's thank God for that you know the the point for me in this is we want to celebrate that it's Jesus who's doing the healing it's not me but he chose to work through me and he chose to do this as I stepped out and took effect uh, step of faith to trust him often our beliefs is what begets our behavior what we believe comes before our behavior will follow And I use healing as an example um, on purpose because I reckon if we can believe God for healing and this kinds of stuff, my guess is that we'll believe him for just about anything. Removing barriers to faith, um, I think will precede much kingdom breakthrough. So my question for you guys today is, what is it for you today? You may be new here this morning You may be just visiting or checking out our Lord's, and this may be a new idea. Well, I just want to say I'm glad you're here, and don't feel any pressure to believe or to accept anything that I'm saying. I just hope that this is a a helpful time for you. Maybe you're in a position where you're already seeing this stuff. This is stuff that's not new for you. Will you be brave enough to lean in this morning and ask him for more, more of his kingdom, more of the breakthroughs that we, we long to see? Maybe you're sat here and you're like me when I was in 2007 and never seen anything of breakthrough, never seen God working through you in in really remarkable ways. Maybe you've longed to see um, your prayers answered, people set free. Why not let your heart be encouraged and your mind stirred for new possibilities today? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time together and we just ask you now Holy Spirit that you would come and we remember that your kingdom is here it's at hand so we say Lord bring your kingdom today bring your kingdom to the church here Lord we confess that we we don't just need to be a people who know how to bring your kingdom to other people but we need your kingdom ourselves and so I ask you this morning Holy Spirit that you would come in power and that you'd bring breakthroughs in our own lives just as we're in this moment of prayer I just was reminded of um, somebody came up to me in worship and said she saw a picture of um, as the word about hope was spoken in worship she said I, it's like I saw I saw arrows and they were on fire and they represented hope and they were going into people's hearts and it was was a beautiful picture of how God um, often will just break through, um, cut to the heart, he'll get to the heart of the matter in in the ways that only he can do. So I ask you God for that this morning and if that's you just as we pray right now, if you know you're in a situation where it feels tough, it feels like you need breakthrough, you need hope. You're not sure how it's going to happen. Just ask him. He's the God of breakthroughs. He's the God who does things only He can do. So, Lord, we say, let Your will be done today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, so read with me, Matthew, and we're going to start in nine and read through to uh, verse eleven. So, nine thirty-five to verse eleven in chapter ten. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12 sent out with these these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely if you have received, freely give. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. Jesus is really giving us two clear pictures in this passage of what he's doing here with his people. He's he's giving us this He's giving an example of what it is to model, what it looks like to bring the kingdom. And then he's equipping his friends to go and do the same thing. Jesus' mission was, and still is, the kingdom of God being established on earth. Jesus calls us to do the same, and to do the same with our lives. Wherever we live, whatever we do, his mission is our mission, individually and together. In this passage, it's great. Jesus is such a good teacher and leader. He, he models the, the doing of the stuff. He takes his disciples with him, and he shows them how. He reveals there are many people to reach in this way. You can see that in verse 37. <laughs> and interesting to note, he has no intention of doing it all himself. So he tells them to pray for Christians to go. Interesting for us to note that. He then empowers the disciples to do the same. And it's also interesting, I think, that he says, do the same, not something different. And we'll come on to that in a little bit. And I sense for us this morning as a church that that Jesus um, would say something like this, I'm here with you, OLCC. I've shown you what I'm like and what I'm about. Now come with me and do it too. And the background to this passage is in a nutshell, is a a long list of Jesus basically moving from place to place doing quite remarkable things. He heals a man who's paralyzed. He raises a, a young girl back to life. He restores a woman who's outcast because of an issue of blood and restores her place in society as well as healing her body. He then heals two blind men before setting a man free from demonic oppression to be able to speak, all while revealing who he is and what he's come to do. He then stops for lunch and a cup of tea, according to the English version of that translation. Um, If Jesus is modeling how to bring the kingdom so that he can equip others to do the same, there are two important questions for us. What does he do and how does he do it? So what does Jesus do and what does he ask his disciples to do? Well, as we look at these verses, we can see he does a number of things. The first thing, Jesus goes. He goes, he moves towards people, and he doesn't leave anyone out. Notice the phrasing, it says, all the towns and the villages. If you can put the slide up, Pascal, with the, the Matthew passage, that would be great. Um, he speaks openly and confidently and clearly, proclaiming good news of the kingdom. He's heralding the kingdom, if you like. He's announcing. You know, in the, in the Greek, the, uh, the word there, um, for proclaiming like that is the word, uh, I just forgot how to say it, kerygma, thank you, there it is. Um, and uh, which means proclamation, and it's from the root kereso, which means to announce. And so what happened in those days is the Roman Empire, they didn't have cable, so you know, there's a different way of getting the message out. And so what they used to do is they would have somebody who would go from town to town, someone they would call a kerex, or an announcer, and. Uh, this, uh, this guy here, Derek Morphew, has a very helpful description of what this person did. But essentially, they moved from town to town, making announcements about the Roman Empire. And it says, and Morphew writes this, he says, The Kerricks was a man commissioned by his ruler or, or the state to call out with a clear voice an item of news, and so to make it known. Heralds carried important news items from town to town. They would enter each town, find a prominent public venue, make their proclamation, and pass on to the next town. The Kerricks was always under the authority of someone else, whose spokesman he was. He himself was immune. He conveyed the message and intention of his master. His office had an official character, and he was therefore the announcer of judicial verdicts. As the official edict or verdict was spoken, it became binding. The word became an event. And I think as we think about Jesus, that's really important to understand because what he's doing here when he's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, he is not just saying there's good news. He is establishing his very kingdom right there and then. So the kingdom of God is not only being spoken about, it's being established and put into place. And you know, there's a power when we proclaim truth. Often, oftentimes, speaking out something precedes a demonstration. I hope she doesn't mind. I didn't ask permission to share this, but Esther once shared a fun story with me about her mom. About she uh, she ran out of gas one time in her whilst driving her car, and uh, the story goes something like she pulls over, opens the kind of the deal, what's it called, the cap where where you put your gasoline in, and yells into the gas can, Hallelujah puts the gas cam, cap back on, gets in the car and drives off. I don't know any more of the details of the story. But she went from having a car that wasn't moving because of gas to a car that was then moving. Now, what's the point of the story? It's not to say that we don't need to buy gas anymore, we just need to shout hallelujah. That's not the point of this story. The point is this. What is the point? I don't know what I'm saying. Where are my notes gone? Oh, the point of the story. What is the point, Brock? Faith. Faith. That'll do. There you go. (laughs) No, the point of the story is about proclamation. It's about the speaking out in faith, and often there's demonstrations that follows, and there are times when God will do that. So how does Jesus do it? How does he get his disciples to do it too? there's two keys that I want us to recognize. Uh, The first is about compassion and the second is about doing the demonstration. The first one, it says, um, Jesus was moved with compassion. He said he saw the crowds in verse 36 and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The... uh, the condition of our world and the condition of lives without the presence of Jesus is like that, isn't it? We're harassed. We're, we, we find ourselves in situations where um, we, we know that we're experiencing difficulties, perhaps oppression, challenges, and yet we don't have the awareness of how to get out of it. We don't have the understanding of how to move forward without Jesus. And so Jesus is looking on the crowds and he sees them and his heart is moved. The Greek translation for that is is that that compassion speaks of um, a deep sympathy or an affection for. And so there's something that's going on in Jesus that stirs a response in him. But you know, I think that the clue in this for us to recognize for ourselves is, is not just that he had compassion, it's... He was in a position physically to be able to receive that compassion. He was in proximity to the crowds. He could see them. He could hear them. He could feel what their lives were like. So if we are to discern um, about, about uh, having compassion for people, if we're to be a people who experience compassion in a similar way, proximity is important. We are to understand where the kingdom is needed. Then our proximity to the need matters. Who are you in proximity with at the moment? Where do you experience deep sympathy or affection? I think Tony Brady feels this way about me. Just to, by the way, um, Tony is uh, is uh, he very kindly cuts my hair, and uh, he. Uh, I style it, so don't judge him this morning. He does a good job when he cuts it, but he doesn't come around my house every morning and fix my hair for me. But periodically, I'll go to where he works, and he cuts my hair. And uh, what I've come to learn about Tony is that he's a good listener. Um, so almost immediately when I sit down and uh, just begin to the whole process of cutting my hair, uh, which just seems weird now I'm talking about it, but anyway... Uh, he does an amazing job of just creating this place where I feel like I can just relax. I can be me. I don't feel a pressure to have to be anybody or to tell him anything. And I know that's intentional on his part. It's part of what's in his heart for when he does what he does. He has a gift to, to cut hair and ability, but his, his real passion is to create a space where he can engage with people, where he can minister to people through the practice of that. You know, there's a proximity there that enables Tony to do that. And it doesn't require him to go off and do anything different. He's doing what he's gifted to do, what he wants to do, it's his source of income. And I just wanna challenge us this morning to think about how, what does that look like for you? Sometimes when we talk about compassion, we think about all of the, perhaps the large scale needs globally that exist, or even within our nation. But actually there are people in your lives who actually you minister to by simply creating a space for them to be with you whether you're at work or whether you're at school. Um, I was talking with uh, one of the youth recently and he was just sharing about how um, one of the, a friend from school, or a guy he's just got to know has taken an interest and wants to visit the youth group, but simply it's come about because he's taken an interest in him, asking questions about his life, taking time to encourage him. It doesn't have to be complicated or it doesn't have to be anything extra. I was thinking about the story of... Uh, uh, how our children can often uh, be people be those that lead us into proximity with others uh, my mom got her first invitation to go to church years ago when she walked into a butcher's shop and she met my best friend nigel and his mom and just this scene of my mom walking in, she just moved to this place, and she walks into the local butcher shop, and she sees this other lady standing there, and there's two two-year-old boys looking at each other, and then just start kind of hanging out and playing together, and suddenly that becomes um, a place where this lady reached out to my mom and invited her to come over for a cup of tea, and the boys could play, and we got to play, and that guy um, that I met at two years old was my best man at my wedding when I got married when I was 24. And it's just a simple example of there was a proximity, two moms meeting in a place where there was a recognition. Oh, this could be helpful someone for my son to play with. This is going to help my life be a lot better. And it comes out of those kinds of places where we suddenly engage in needs that are around us because of the proximity and the ways that we look at those situations. The second thing I want to touch on very briefly is that Jesus demonstrates his message with signs and wonders. So all throughout the the previous verses in chapter 9, we see the different examples that I mentioned earlier. And that Jesus sent out his disciples to do the same thing. But there is a question that if you look at this passage, and as you think about it through the lens of where we are today as a church, excuse me, that comes to the surface. And the question is this, well, okay, Mike, so this is Jesus. This is back in the day. This is you know the region of Galilee and Nazareth and all around Jerusalem. And this is him doing the stuff. And then, yeah, so there's the disciples there with him. Um, But what about me? And what about us today? And do I have the same authority? Do I have the same commission? Do I have the same um, calling on my life to do these things? Well, there's some helpful information in the Bible, actually, that gives us answers to these questions. So if you look in Luke chapter 10, verse 17 and 21, I'm just going to touch on these two verses because... They give us an indication because it's actually interesting. In Matthew 10, in verse 37, it says that he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, and he tells them to pray. But then in the next verse, he calls his 12 disciples together. So there's this implication, there's this insinuation here that there are more disciples than the 12. And then we see in Luke in chapter 10 that he sends out 72. So where do they come from? They're not the twelve. Because we know about the 12, don't we? If you've read the Bible, you know about the 12 disciples. They become the apostles. They the ones, the leaders in the early church, etc. But there's 72 in Luke 10 that get the same commission and the same authority. If you're still not persuaded, there's Matthew 28 in the Great Commission and there's there's Acts 1 verse 8 as well. Where Jesus is giving the same authority, the same commission to go and do the same things. Do you stop to think about that sometimes? That the commission that Jesus gave to his disciples in this passage is the same commission that he gives to you and I today? Do you ever stop to think about that? Some of you maybe do. Some of us, perhaps we struggle with the, well, do I, do I really have access to the same Power the same authority do I really have the ability to partner with Jesus in doing these kinds of things I want to encourage us to think about that and just take a moment right here the things that we've been hearing about week after week the things that we've been sometimes stories sharing of what God's doing of how his kingdom's breaking out he wants the same thing for you and I today He wants us to be people who step out, who bring the kingdom of God wherever we go, that we expect the power of God to turn up when we um, are in situations where he wants to move. Hmm. There is a reality to the kingdom of God that means it's a growing kingdom too. One of the reasons that perhaps we don't always experience it straight away when we pray for somebody or when we are in a situation is that... uh, there is, there is something of a process, and I think I, we, we can sometimes get hung up on the, uh, well, how much do I have, rather than stepping into the place of, well, let's just see how much God will bring. There's a parable of the mustard seed, it talks about how the kingdom of God is like this tiny mustard seed that becomes the, the biggest branch, the biggest, the biggest tree in the garden, and there's, there's this awareness that the, the kingdom is a growing kingdom, so the way that God works in our lives can be like that. There's the parable of the talents where Jesus talks about how we, there's, a, there's a faithfulness, there's a stewarding, there's a partnering with him that we are called to, to cultivate. And I've sometimes struggled with the mystery of this because I, I remember hearing, I hear things like uh, John Wimber, apparently it's, uh, it's, it's said that he prayed for a hundred people before he saw one person get healed. But then I have a situation where I find four years ago, my son never prayed for anybody in his life to get for healing. He's with somebody in a meeting similar to this, goes over with an adult, lays his hand on a guy who's got a bad knee, prays for him, and the pain in his knee disappears instantly. And so I'm left thinking, well, is it a growing thing? Do we kind of work and cultivate, or is it the instant we should expect it straight away? I don't know. (laughs) But I think I'm okay with it being that way. I think it's okay that we don't necessarily get to decide who and when and how long and all of the rest of it. But there is a call and an invitation on us to be a people who go after it and ask God for the kingdom to break in. I'm using the healing example a lot this morning, but it's not just about healing. This is about people getting set free. This is about peace being brought to situations. This is about justice establishes about dignity being restored to people. This, it's about every imaginable thing that you can think of in society that isn't right. It's about the rule and reign of God coming in and making it look different and making it look like it's going to be in heaven. And that's what God is calling us to do, is to be a people to believe him that the same power that was at work in Jesus is available for you and I. Where you are today in your place of influence, with the people in your lives, God wants to work through you with the same kind of power, the same kind of power, the same commission it's his kingdom, he's not changed the script on us he's still doing today what he did 2000 years ago and he's just looking for us to say will you believe me, will you do it, will you step into those places if you think I'm saying something remotely close to the truth just say amen. amen thanks that helps me, feel better now I was aware that, um, this is my wrap-up, I was aware this morning that I'm I'm speaking about the message of the kingdom of God, and I'm talking about taking it wherever we go, and I'm thinking about how that's for the benefit of people who are outside of the church. But one of the things that I couldn't get away from in this passage is that Jesus' instructions to the disciples was, go first to the people of Israel. And there was a reason for that, which we don't have time to get into right now. But there's something very simple and very important that I think we need to hear as a church family this morning. And it's that this, Jesus knows that we need the kingdom. He knows that our lives are not perfect. He knows that our struggles are real. He knows that the things that we contend with are difficult and challenging at times. He knows that right now, each one of us, we, we all have our need for Him to break in and bring what it's like in heaven into our lives today. And so, I want to conc- I want to close by just saying this: God is faithful to the church, and He will bring healing and deliverance and hope and the things that we need. He knows we need the kingdom too, and the church is. A church that is renewed is a powerful picture for a city that needs revival. God will deal with us. God will work in us so that we can be a blessing to the city that we're in and beyond that. And I want to invite you, if you would be willing, if you'd stand with me right in this moment, I want to ask you um, to simply ask God this question. or well, not even a question, just to, just to just to, if you want, just close your eyes and just be before him for a moment. And if you're in a, if you're in a place where you know, right, you're, you know your awareness of a need of kingdom breakthrough is greater than your desire for anybody else and you just, you've come desperate this morning, you've come hungry, I want to invite you to ask God now to come. Ask him to come in kingdom power. Ask him to to minister to you where you are right now. And if there's things in your heart for to be a person who goes wherever you are living, the places you work, to see others around you, um, experience the kingdom of God, I want you to ask him for that now. Ask him now, Lord, would you commission me this morning would you fill me with your spirit this morning? Would you anoint me that I may be uh, someone who makes a difference wherever I go? So just bear with me for a moment and just stay in this place. Try to tune out the, what's going on around you. And just ask the Lord. He's here with us. These are the very things that he wants to do. And he, he knows what you need. He, before you ask it, the dice is a load, loaded. It's already stacked in your favor. He's a good father. I just want to say that some of you, I just sense you need to hear that. Again, he's a good father. He doesn't want to withhold from you. He has what you need right now.